Welcome to the PHC Corporation of North America. Now with news of interest to life science, biomedical, pharmaceutical, biotechnology, and clinical markets here and around the world. Hi, this is Bill White. I'm with Allison Paradise, who's the founder and CEO of My Green Lab. Allison, welcome to the PHC Information Network. Thank you so much for having me. Allison, you are uh, drawing a lot of interest in the industry, the life science industry and beyond with respect to My Green Lab and what it represents, what your objectives are. Um, tell us about the genesis of My Green Lab and what prompted you to get into it in the first place. My Green Lab started about six years ago now. Um, we're a nonprofit, and we initially were formed to look at waste in laboratories. So that was the, the original goal, looking at reducing the waste streams and then also looking at reducing mercury use in lab, which is a hazardous waste stream. And that came about due to some work that I had done in labs many years ago. So it actually started back when I was in high school. I was working in a lab at a pharmaceutical company, and it was my very first day as an intern. I was doing a cloning experiment, which is going to date me, but I was doing a cloning experiment, and I had separated out all the pipette tips that had touched either PBS or water, basically anything that wasn't hazardous, from anything that had been hazardous, and I put them all in a beaker and I was trying to find the recycling all day. Where's the recycling bin in this place? And couldn't find it. And so at the end of the day, I went to the PI and I said, you know, I have all these pipette tips and these boxes and they're clean. I just, I can't find the recycling bin. And she just looked at me like I was crazy. And it was really from that moment when she said, no, all of that goes in the trash that I thought, oh, this is a real problem. This is this doesn't make any sense. And so all through my education, you know, undergrad, graduate school, this was a this was a thing I was very well aware of. And so I used to take things home with me, put them in the recycling bin at my apartment complex um, and and really just kind of grew this awareness of not just the plastic use, but the glove use and all of these these waste streams that we were generating. And so after I left the lab, I worked as a consultant for a few years in, in laboratories, and I kept seeing this problem, and I thought, somebody just needs to do something about this. And then eventually, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do something about this, because this is ridiculous. And so that's how we got started. And then we quickly saw that waste really doesn't just apply to the things that go into your bin, right? That waste is a much more generic term that can apply to anything that's not being utilized to its fullest extent. And so our, the organization started to look at energy and water and hazardous chemical use in addition to the more traditional waste streams. And that's how we've grown into the organization we are today. Okay. Takes one person to make a difference. And you started a movement, uh, clearly. Uh, what's, what is your geographic reach? Uh, obviously, North America, USA, but how are you doing offshore? So our focus was originally just in the U.S. and in North America, and it's really only within the last few months that we've started to expand overseas. So initially, we had formed partnerships with other nonprofits in the U.K. and in the E.U. and also in Asia. There are 
there are nonprofits like S Labs in the UK, Egnaton in the EU. Um, the International Institute for Sustainable Laboratories has chapters all throughout the world. And so we thought, well, they're they're already there. They already have a they're already doing great work, right? They already have a community. And there's really no reason for us to duplicate efforts. There's so much to be done. But that has started to shift a bit in in that we've been doing a lot of work on the procurement side. So working with manufacturers to help them develop products that are more sustainable and to help them communicate that to their customers. And so in in that, it really required us to kind of move overseas. So we are now starting to work in the UK and in the EU in partnership still with these nonprofits, but also more independently on our own. I don't think though you're going to see My Green Lab UK happen anytime soon because we're actually quite small. I think we're a lot smaller than most people realize uh, for the amount of work that we manage to do. Well, you certainly have a, a, a large footprint with respect to what you're doing in the industry, especially uh, the part of the industry involving refrigeration, which has always been uh, energy sensitive. Um, how are the manufacturers embracing your idea? How do they how do they uh, how do they view what you're doing? That's a really good question. So I think when they first heard about the organization, it was with a lot of skepticism and sort of a lot of, yeah, good luck with that, you know, patting on the head. But now it's it's really changed. Um, our work, as you said, in refrigeration, I think was, was very foundational for making a clear shift in this industry. So we worked with EPA and Energy Star to help get Energy Star uh, standards developed for ultra low temperature freezers. And that work, I think, really sent a clear signal to the life sciences industry that said, right, this is this is serious. And and not only it's not serious in a bad way, but it's serious in it, it, that it's a real opportunity for the whole industry to start thinking more holistically about the products that they produce. And so now we're seeing manufacturers be much more open uh, to this idea about sustainability. And actually, it's so fun now to walk around some of these conferences, these scientific meetings, and see companies advertise that their products are energy efficient or that they have removed certain toxic chemicals from yeah. them or that they're water efficient. That's amazing. It is amazing. Um, and that's Right. It really is. And that's what needs to happen, because on the scientist side, there's a lot that scientists can do in terms of behavior to reduce their environmental impact. But they can only do so much. There's they're buying products constantly to to do their research. So if the manufacturers weren't also transforming and moving towards sustainability, we'd be in a really tough spot. But since they've yeah, I'm I'm very impressed and very amazed at how quickly the industry has caught on to this idea and has made changes. Yeah, I, I've been watching it uh, evolve uh, over the past few years, and it's interesting in that the manufacturers are now looking at this issue of sustainability uh, as a value proposition that they can actually sell, especially at the board level and and uh, all, clear on down through the. Uh, the system from the, to the CEO and uh, CFO, the C-suite, the facility managers, lab managers, clear down to the purchasing people. Are you finding the same thing? Exactly. Yes, it's exactly true. Not only in manufacturing, but also just in, in typical research organizations, right? That, that they're also seeing the value of implementing best practices in laboratory sustainability. And that wasn't something 
that you would see five years ago, that you were constantly, you know, five years ago when we would go speak with people, it would be constantly having to <laughs> uh, right, convince them of why this was a good idea and yeah. all these crazy business cases and return on investments. And now it's everybody gets it. And so those you don't have to do that anymore. And that's fantastic. Well, thanks to you. Um, and part of what you're doing is uh, pretty interesting. You're developing, do you call it an ACT label or an ACT label? Uh, ACT. What do you call it and how does it work? So we call it ACT because it's an imperative and I think that's important, right? So uh, we want people to take action. Uh, so this is an eco-label for laboratory products. Uh, this is for equipment, consumables, and chemicals that helps really provide information about the environmental impact of the product and its packaging. So it takes what we did with Energy Star and really expands it to beyond just equipment and beyond just energy consumption. So we look at the impact of manufacturing, we look at the impact of the use phase of the product and the end of life of the product and its packaging. And so we call people who have adopted the label activists which is always fun. Uh, so we have manufacturing activists, we have procurement activists, and it's really taken off. So we started this program about two years ago and a little less than two years ago now. We have over 120 products labeled uh, with this ACT label. And by the, probably I would say by the end of April, we should have over 250 well, products labeled. And that brings us to uh, one of the uh, areas that uh, we touch on was uh, that, that relates to ultra-low temperature freezers in laboratory refrigeration in general. Um, the, uh, the current, one of the current uh, uh, programs going on is called the uh, International Freezer Challenge. And this is something that you've established um, consistent with My Green Lab. Tell us about that. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was just thinking when you asked about our international reach, I thought, how did I leave out the freezer challenge? <laughs> because clearly that's an international reach the program that we run. Uh, so this is a program that is designed to help scientists better manage their cold storage unit. And I guess scientists and, and people who operate cold storage units. So this applies to ultra, ultra low temperature freezers, so minus 50 degrees Celsius, all the way up to refrigerators, so plus four degrees Celsius, and cold rooms. Um, and the goal is to one, reduce energy consumption, because a lot of the best practices that we ask people to implement just naturally reduce energy consumption. But it's also to help people really just better manage their samples in cold storage. I know for myself, I always joke, but it's not really a joke, that the samples that I generated as an undergrad are probably still sitting in the ultra-low temperature freezer or the minus 80 uh, in the lab that I worked in because they were labeled with my initials and numbers and dates. And so nobody would have any idea what those samples were unless they went to my notebook, found the date, looked at what the number was. Nobody's doing that. If they know where my notebooks are in that lab, I would be amazed. So, you know, people just hold on to the samples and that then begets a need for additional cold storage units, which then introduces another plug load into a lab and uses more energy. And that just 
it snowballs into a very unsustainable situation and, and a costly situation for labs. So the freezer challenge aims to kind of get at the, at the root of that. And it's really fun competition runs from January to May. And it's for any lab anywhere in the world to participate. It's based on the honor system. So we have you fill out a score sheet online, letting us know what steps and what actions you've taken to improve your cold storage. And the winners of the freezer challenge are actually featured in nature, which is huge. So we have a whole page spread with photos of the winners in nature, an explanation of what they've done. And they're also awarded at a conference, the International Institute for Sustainable Laboratories Conference. So this is a conference dedicated specifically to sustainable laboratories where the winning labs and the winning organizations will receive uh, an award at that. Um, and so this is our third year running it. And we are so grateful to our sponsors for supporting this effort because it's a huge undertaking, as you might imagine, right? Labs all over the world are participating. Lots of questions come up. Um, Lots of translation between also between what we call things here in the States versus and possibly also in Europe versus what people call things in other parts of the, the world. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been wonderful, a wonderful experience. And I think has done a lot to raise awareness about this issue around cold storage. So, yeah, we couldn't do it without our sponsors. And we are incredibly, incredibly appreciative of their support. I think the sponsors in general are, are grateful for the opportunity to be able to put the concept of social responsibility into a place where people can recognize it for what it is. So not only have you given them the impetus to do better things, but you've give them, given them a place to actually uh, communicate it. Uh, I think if any company builds a product with the kind of uh, – that social responsibility inherent inherent to it, um, they have they have to sell it, and in order to sell it, you have to explain the value. So you, I think you're helping your own constituents uh, uh, bring that information forward. Um, it's, it sounds like a fairly interesting partnership that you've established. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, yeah, I think you're right about that. So, I think that's why we're able to continue doing this program, right? Because yes. it's very synergistic. Well, it's not going to go away, and I would hope it uh, hope it doesn't. You're, uh, you've invested a lot of your early career in this, and it's interesting. You found such a vacuum that had to be addressed, and uh, it looks like it's taking off. So what's next for my green lab? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, so I, the next major thing that we're going to be working on is actually an overhaul of our certification program. So we started a Green Lab certification program five years ago to certify labs as being sustainable. And that program's been very successful. We certified over 200 laboratories, which is great. Um, we work with a wide range of organizations. And, and actually, just to give you an idea of how much this has grown, when we first started My Green Lab, there were fewer than 10 organizations in the world that had a program dedicated to laboratory sustainability. So a person who would go and speak to scientists and help support them in reducing their environmental impact. And now, where we sit today, March 2019, there are over 80 organizations that have a dedicated person to laboratory sustainability, and there are 
well over 100 that have somebody whose part-time job it is to do laboratory sustainability. So that is that is huge. And a lot of that has to do with this certification and, and just educating labs in general about lab sustainability. So we are completely revamping that to make it a lot more accessible to more laboratories. And we're also including a training component. So there will be training videos for people on on how to be more sustainable in the lab. Because really the goal of our organization is to make ourselves obsolete. I mean, we don't want to have to keep telling people about lab sustainability. We want that just to be part of the culture of science. That is actually our mission, right, is to build a culture of sustainability through science. And the best way to do that is to start with training. So that's a big thing that we're excited about. It sounds like the, uh, the, the success of that is going to be uh, tied to the balance between supply and demand, meaning the manufacturers and those who buy their products and use them. And it sounds like that you've got a great head start. Yeah, thank you. I think it'll be I'm, – I'm very, very excited about it. We've just hired somebody who's going – whose sole job it will be is to completely redesign that to be – um, much more scalable, much more accessible to laboratories and to to put us out of business. So that's good. <laughs> that's well, our goal. It is. And then you'll have to find something else to do. I don't think that's going to be a problem. <laughs> if we want to know more about My Green Lab, where do we go? So our website is uh, mygreenlab.org. Uh, the ACT label website is a subdomain, so it's actact.mygreenlab.org. And the Freezer Challenge has its own website as well. It's freezerchallenge.org. All of this, of course, though, can be found on our website, mygreenlab.org. And you can also follow us on social media. So we're on Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, I believe. Yeah, and it, please get involved with us. And we also go to a lot of scientific meetings. So if you are listening to this and you're a scientist and you're attending the American Chemical Society meeting, the Society for Neuroscience meeting, uh, Cell Bio this year, please come by our booth, stop by, say hi, uh, learn more about what we do. Um, and if there's a scientific meeting that I haven't mentioned that you think would really like to have us there, please you know shoot us an email, let, let me know, uh, because that's, this is where we do most of our outreach is going to these meetings, talking to people about their research and about what they can actually do, take, what concrete steps they can take that don't cost money, don't take a lot of time to reduce the environmental impact of their work. Great, great effort. Uh, on behalf of the industry, uh, I'll take it upon myself to thank you for what you've been doing, the new generation on the way, making things better. Um, We've been on the air with Allison Paradise, who is the founder and CEO of My Green Lab. Allison, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Let's do it again. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Allison. This is Bill White for the PHC Information Network. You've been listening to the Information Network of PHC Corporation of North America. News of interest to life science, pharmaceutical, biotechnology, clinical and industrial markets here and around the world. 